Hey there, it's Steve. Just checking in real quick to let you know what happened on this episode. I messed up. It sounds bad. Sounds like we recorded it off of the microphone in the computer instead of the actual microphones, so that's not good. It's still listenable, but it's obviously not good. We'll definitely be back next month with better sound quality. I can guarantee that. So, sorry, and enjoy. Welcome to Both Down, Episode 71, the number one Blood Bowl podcast. Broadcasting from deep beneath the Blood Bowl stadiums of Buchan. Is it Buchan? Buchan? Is it Buchan? Buchan? What are you talking about? Uh, it's, it's a team. Brundar? Brun? 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 Brundar Grimjacks? No, I thought it was Buchan. Buchan. Oh my gosh. I now just saw this. Hold on. <laughs> this doesn't work if you can't remember what it is. Yeah, he's looking through the books. Lucan from Slower Fork Strike. Yeah, we just pronounced it. The Blutian Berserkers, but it's probably oh. Lucan. Yeah, I was thinking German. Lucan? Yeah, it could be. Lucan. Well, nice try there, buddy. Okay. I'm Scott Prime, and this is Steve Kilowani Campbell. Hi. How you doing, buddy? Pretty good. How you doing? I'm here. You've been busy lately. Have I? Surprisingly, you're here. <laughs> I have been busy. Been on vacation and drawing like a madman. Mm-hmm. Grandma's in the hospital right now. Yeah, I wasn't going to bring that up, for sure. Well, <laughs> I better give her a shout-out now. Yeah. Your mom went crazy and is in an institution. No, that's not true. Your father's Mom's putting always on been a, crazy. Your, your father's been putting on a hockey mask and going out and killing cheerleaders at night. Wow. Uh, that would be an interesting family. It's been a weird month. No, we had a great little vacation with me and my girls. Uh, it didn't seem to last very long, but my bank account would say it lasted <laughs> a long time. <laughs> everything is expensive in Branson, Missouri. I would think everything is expensive no matter where you go. Probably when so. you have two girls. It's just been a long time since I've like, went on like, a real vacation besides like a blood journey. Sure. So, yeah. It was fun. Good yeah. times. I died in the Titanic. Yeah. We went to the Titanic Museum. And, uh, I was a Italian chef in one of the a la carte restaurants. And I knew I wouldn't make it because I wasn't white enough. <laughs> not white enough, not rich enough. Exactly. The girls made it because they were little sisters, right? Yeah, they were little sisters. They were. Which I'm sure they probably planned that when we walked up, you know. I'm assuming they don't handle... I don't think you want little kids to die. I'm, yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. It's like, I'm pretty sure all the kids survived, right? It'd be interesting to find out well, how many kids survived in Titanic, and then take more kids than that and see how many kids <laughs> die. There you go. <laughs> so, for those of you who don't know, in Missouri, the Titanic Museum's there, and as you walk in, they give you a boarding pass with a little history of a, of a person that was on the actual Titanic. And then at the bottom it says, did you make it? You know, and then at the very end you find out if you did. I wonder how many Titanic museums there are. Because if there's one in Branson, Missouri, there has to be about five others, at least. Maybe. I mean, I know there was an exhibit that came through Oklahoma at one point. Yeah. A traveling exhibit. It was very interesting. Because if you... You know, you think the Titanic, and it's a Blood Bowl podcast, but you, it's a, just a disaster, right? Right. And really, we might not even remember it if it wasn't the maiden voyage of it. Sure. You know, if it yeah. was the 50th one, we might not even think about it. Mm-hmm. But 
as you go through, like, four Edo people died. You care, but you don't care because you don't have to test anything. But yeah. as you go, you start reading, and it's, it becomes creepy, like, after a while. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, or eerie, I guess, yeah, is the right. Ominous, sure. Yeah. So it's it's just... It's not fun to think about. No, it's like, good lord, I'm glad I wasn't around. No? On that ship, I say. But I guess nobody wants to be in a disaster, so... Probably not. They haven't had a thing. Where Probably are some people that want to. They have an exhibit where like it showed like the degree of the ship sinking that you yep. could stand on, so you could feel how it felt. Oh, that was cool. And that was wild. And then they have like a little pool of water for the the same temperature as the ocean at the time. Oh, okay. And it said try to keep your hand in here. It had a timer there so you could time yourself. I didn't make it long. And I made it long longer than my kids, but it was like pretty painful. Jeez. So. Now, did they have a piece of wood that, like, it's like a door, like mm-hmm. maybe two people could fit on? Right, no, they didn't. Okay. But they did have a ton of souvenirs from that movie. Oh, no, shit. <laughs> <laughs> really, a museum in Branson, Missouri has stuff that you can buy? That seems unheard of. Yes. Anyways, so that's, that's Blood Bowl stuff. I went yeah. to a really awesome comic store in Springfield, Missouri called... Meta Games, mm-hmm. which maybe in the future we'll talk about that more. But it was a very nice store. It had a lot of Blood Bowl stuff in there, and it had like a huge gaming area, like it ran a tournament or something. So right? You know, someone did. Someone, sure, people or whatever. That'd so be very was, cool. Yeah, it was a really nice store though. I was kind of impressed. I took some pictures to show. That's my, good. My store. What else you been up to? Been doing not much. I don't know. Played some Blood Bowl. Been playing in the league. We just had our losing. game in the league. Little Steve versus Scott action. Freaking interceptions. Two of them. I forgot I got two. Yeah. You got two interceptions off me. Either one would have given me a tie or a win. But no. No, no, no. That's L's. Yeah, I did go to a tournament. I guess we'll talk about that probably next podcast. Oh, see, you were not supposed to mention that. Now well, you broke the fourth wall. Well, it's not how that works. Is it not? No. No. Oh, what's the fourth wall? We don't have a fourth wall here. We oh. know we're doing a podcast. Isn't the person sitting there listening to this going, this, that's their fourth wall? They want to think that we're doing this live to them right as they listen, whether they're on the... Subway train or driving to work. Still doesn't change the fact. Think, oh, I it's, said I it's went 8.15 to a... and Steve and Scott are talking to me. Hi, yeah. Phil. Hi, you know, hi, John. Whoever. And now you just messed that up by saying I already did something that we weren't going to talk about. I know you're, you're trying, but no, that's, no? Not, that's, that's, not, that's not how that works. Okay. So Steve went to a tournament that we're not going to talk about this episode because we're yeah. going to talk a lot about fluff. Yes, since it was all fluff lacking the last episode in all tournament talk. This one's going to be all fluff and less tournament. So, would you like to know what we're talking about today? Sure. Okay. So, we are going to talk a lot about the magic spells in 2nd edition. We're going to break this up into two parts over two segments because there was some regular spells and then there was some special spells, is what they were called. Okay. So we're going to break those down and go over each one of those in two segments. And probably go with third edition Wizards at the end. Yeah. Just to show how it changed, if we have sure. time. Sure. 
So I don't think that that's enough to take up a whole segment, but we can squeeze it into that. So we're never going to talk that much, and yet we've just talked about the Titanic Museum for 10 minutes. Not exactly 10 minutes, but close, yeah. <laughs> then we're also going to, since there's so many star players that are coming back, like Glark Smasher from First Edition mm-hmm. and some of the others, in our latest uh, Death Zone Season 2 book, we thought, why not pick up a couple star players from Second Edition and uh, update them ourselves? We've done this before, but we'll be doing... And repurpose them for the current right. state of Blood Bowl. Exactly. So... That's what we have on tap today. Unless you have anything else, Steve, we're going to go to segment one. Okay, we'll be right back. Do you like Blood Bowl? Well, you're listening to this, so probably yes. How about magic? How about board games? How about just a random assortment of dice or comic books? If you're in or near the Norman, Oklahoma area, come on down to Wizard Asylum, or check them out online at wizardsasylum.com or on Facebook at Wizards Asylum. All right, we're going to talk about some magic spells. From, this is Blood Bowl 2nd Edition. If you are a collector of Blood Bowl, this is found in the Blood Bowl Companion book. It's the red one with the cheerleader on front. And it's bound, since Steve's describing the book. What team is that? What team is that cheerleader from? Yeah. That is the Alpine Eagles, my friend. Okay. That's where Valen Swift comes from. Ooh. But not Lucent. Lucent played for uh, the Gallagher. Yeah, Gladiators. Didn't he also play for a, the Sea Elves or something? Sea Elves? Is that something else? I don't remember. Uh, I don't remember the Sea Elves. It's been like two months. Well, it was in the fluff. The new oh, one. that was, um, wasn't that the other guy? Is that Bo, Bo Galante or is that somebody else? I don't know. Okay. So we're going to look at the magic spells. Um, a lot of times you can get magic items and stuff like that, you know, through the cards now, the bolt. Um, we also have the wizard that can zap you with a lightning bolt or a fireball that looks like it's kind of gone in the current, if you play the current rules. It just depends on your league. Yeah. The, I know our store league, we still allow the old wizard yeah. where you have the choice between a fireball and a lightning bolt. The new one just has the wandering fireball. Right. So, but we're going to kind of show you what magic spells you had back in the day. And back then, you didn't actually have to buy a wizard. You just had the wizard. No, once the uh, companion book came out, these rules were in there. Mm. Um, kind of the fluff behind it was is that you know wizards would show up, teams would pick up pick out a wizard, and they would get those the, wearing their team colors. Right, they, you know, and force them into service. Basically, yeah, force them into service, and so that would allow the other players to hunt down the the opposite team's wizard to try to you know kidnap them or beat them up beforehand, so they could get an unfair advantage. Um, then eventually. Um, something to do with the um, all the broadcasting systems and stuff. They got more control on them. So like the Necromantic Broadcasting Circle. Let's see. There was the CBS, the Crystal Ball Service, and then the Association of Broadcasting Conjurers all banded together to make the magical guilds toe the line on a limit of magical interference in a game. Not only was the Cabal Vision signaled uh, 
being disrupted, but the game itself was in danger of being ruined, and there's big money in the political broadcasting. So basically, they said they're going to limit all this stuff. And if you're not from America, um, ABC, NBC, and CBS are the big networks, networks here in America. Mm -hmm. And these are all playoff, uh, plays off of that. So the spells now, you as a coach would roll a D6 before the game. Uh, on a one or two, you get four spells. Three or four, you get five spells. And five or six, you get six spells. Then from there, like everything in second edition, pretty much, there was a D6, two D6 dice charts. Dice upon dice upon dice. Lots of tables back then. You know, we didn't have D16s. We had a lot of, you know, roll two dice, add them together type things. So you'd roll on this special spell table or this spell table itself. Um, and we're going to go over these individually, but um, two was a bomb blast, three was fearmonger, four was quagmire, five was gravit, six was unseen, unseen shield, seven was a speed burst, eight was a muscle boost, nine was a cloud jump, ten was a mind blow, eleven was a flying fist, and then a twelve was a special skill, and we'll talk about that in the next episode. Right, and if you rolled a 12, you could either take one of the special ones, or you can roll twice on the regular table. That is correct. So you could actually have more than six spells. You could, but most of the time the special spells were really awesome. Yeah. Like I said, we'll, we'll go over that. You're saying theoretically you could have an unlimited number of spells. Yeah, you could. If you kept rolling sixes like crazy. Oh, wait, no. If you got a 12 again, you'd have to reroll. So theoretically you could have 12 spells at most. Sure. Because would would not happen. Um, so players could only carry, were only limited to one spell per player. So essentially the wizard showed up, he had these spells, and then he would imbue a player with the spells. Right, he would like whisper the magic word or implant that in their mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, every player could have one spell, or you could take the risk of learning more, but you, you had a 50-50 chance. You'd roll the d6, and on a, a six or better, you could hold another spell. Or five or six. What did I just say? Six, just six. I'm sorry. <laughs> Four, five, or six on the D6. You got to hold another spell, or you were knocked out mm -hmm. if you rolled a one, two, or three, and then you lost that spell. You'd lose both spells, right? Well, yeah. Okay. That's yeah, I'm saying, sure. yeah, yeah. The players, the players gone. So when we played with this, we never took a chance of uploading no. spells. It was just crazy. Yeah, yeah, I'll just take the one. Thanks. Um, spell casting was limited to you had to have that player on the field to do so. Once the player got knocked out, he lost the spell. Right. So if some guy was carrying a spell and got knocked out, obviously he loses the knowledge. Uh, some spells were ranged spells, some were attack spells, and they kind of described those uh, throughout the, the spell descriptions. And so essentially, if it was ranged, you threw it like a football. Right, and, and back then, that was a, next to it. again, that was another throwing chart thing mm -hmm. where you roll two D6s and compare it. It's not like the Blood Bowl we know now. Right. Um, let's see. You could get, I mean, if you rolled, you had four spells and you rolled seven four times, you'd get four speed bursts. So you, mm -hmm. you could double up on the same spells. So that, that was not uncommon to get some of the same spells fairly often. And since some of these are attack, back in this edition, everybody could move and then attack, correct? If we were playing it correct, correctly, that's what I remember. Okay. 
Um, because the, some of the spells, you know, when you do an attack, it says you can move and then do, instead of doing the attack, you right. can do that. And, and they usually tell you what they can do. So let's just start off with a bomb blast. Okay. Bomb blast is the first one listed here. It's a ranged spell. So I would pick a player, I'd figure out what the range is, then I'd roll on the on the throwing chart. Mm -hmm. I, oh, I didn't talk about if the throwing chart was like it could, the spells never could be intercepted. So if somebody was in the way. It didn't matter. Now, if somebody was in the tackle zone next to them, like you were trying to hit hit a certain guy, it would be harder to hit them, so it would be minus one and stuff like that. So just like a tackle zone. If you're throwing at an opponent and there's somebody next to that opponent, right. it would be harder to hit them? Yes. Oh, huh, okay. Now, subtracting one for each opposing player who has a tackle zone on them. Oh, I'm sorry. I read that. It's the, on the caster. Oh, that makes more sense. Yeah. Okay. So if somebody was next to my caster and I tried to do the bomb blast, it would be harder for me to cast the spell because sure. somebody's in my Just way. like passing. Right. If, if you missed, uh, they scattered in different ways. If it was a quick or short range, uh, it would scatter once, uh, twice at the long range, and three times if it was like a long bomb range. Is that how regular passes were done back then? I honestly don't remember. Okay. I don't, I don't think so, but it's been so long since we played second edition. Which I know we keep talking like we should do that sometime. But mm -hmm. It's a whole different game. It is a totally whole different game. <laughs> but maybe someday we will break down and do that. Maybe we'll do that for 100. That'll give us time to figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> That'll give us plenty. Hopefully plenty of time. Sure. All right, Bomb Blast. Uh, the range, it's a ranged attack. The attack is a, has a strength of one, and I'll just describe how that, that works. Attack one and zero. Uh, cast after the player has moved, and instead of making a block, a small ball of energy uh, energy flies from the caster's hand to explode in the target square. The appearance of the explosion depends on the caster. Elves produce a uh, burst of fabulous rainbow light. Humans produce impressive bolts of fire, orcs those smelly balls of whatever they assure is mud, etc. Any player in the target square receives a block as if they it, as if from a strength one opponent, obviously only results affecting the square are applied, while players in adjacent squares each receive a block at strength zero. So it's kind of like a bomb now. In a lot of ways. Now the attack spells, these are how these work. It's a little confusing and it was confusing back then. So some it says attack spells. Some of the spells are described in the attack spells and have a strength listed in their description. Any player in the square that the spell ends up and hits them, the player is knocked over and must make an armor roll to see if they are injured by the spell. Subtracting the spell's strength from his armor, if the armor roll is failed, the player must roll on the injury table as a result. Oh, okay. uh, adding to the, the spell's strength to the dice roll. So it's not like I'm hitting you with a strength one snotling. It's not that. It means you, you go down and I subtract one from your armor. And then I roll the dice. And so, I add for example, I'm doing a quick pass. I roll on this old chart. I roll an eight, which I know is a completion back then. Mm -hmm. Then that means I hit you. If you were a halfling back then, you know, or whatever. If you're a halfling now, you have a armor six, but I roll a six because your armor's really five. Right. Then you're hurt, and then you're injured. So the first one is a strength 
So this really would knock down the person it was hitting and everybody adjacent to it. Correct. It is like Sheesh. very similar like the bomb. It's a very good bomb. Right. Um, all the uh, adjacent players would be at block at a strength zero. Okay. Which again just means no adding or subtracting to anything. Right. Okay. Next spell is a cloud jump. Cast during the player's turn. This spell allows the caster to partially negate the law of gravity. As he casts the spell, a writhing golden mist encircles his legs. As his step becomes light and airy, he behaves as if he has the skills of leap. And back then there was different levels of leap. Leap three and heroic leap this turn. Now we know heroic leap from there's from old card that says that. Mm -hmm. Isn't there one even currently? I think maybe. I'm so confused with all the new cards and not new yeah. cards. <laughs> Some players have complained that this spell has a side effect of leaving them lightheaded. So what this gave you is leap just like we have now. Right. So you can leap two squares. Um, leap three just gave you a bigger advantage than having leap one, so you add it to the dice. And then heroic leap was a skill that you could make a leap for the end zone. Basically three with the ball up to three squares away. It was okay. harder as further back you were. Mm -hmm. And it was like, if you ever watch, if you're an old guy and you watch how NFL football used to hand off the ball and they would leap over the line, yeah, like Walter Payton and all mm -hmm. those old legends, we don't see that much, too much anymore, but that is what it's to represent. Okay. So this was not really a spell like we were happy to get. No. It was eh, very situational. Uh, Fearmonger, cast at the start of the opponent's turn. The caster... The caster's features twist and distort as his body takes a hideous proportions. Evil fangs spring from his gums, bones creak, teeth rattle, and a pair of huge horns grow swiftly from his forehead. Suddenly, he bursts into blood-curdling scream, seemingly uh, of both unspeakable pain and pleasure. All around him, his opponent's cowering cringe, too terrified to enter his tackle zone that turn. So it just kind of protected the guy. Right. This was awesome. So that's great if you put it on your ball carrier. You you put it on your ball carrier. You go out there. You <laughs> say, "Don't come near me." You throw the ball to him, and he runs for a touchdown. Well, yeah, you. That's the start of the opponent's turn, so you can oh, put a guy wide open. Yeah. And then you cast it, and nobody will you know, touch him, hmm. unless they have like their own spell that they're bomb at you or something. Right. But, <laughs> you know that was a cool one. This one was one of my favorites, too. Flying Fist. This was a ranged attack. Uh, strength 2. Cast after the player has moved, and instead of making a block, as the caster utters the word, releasing the spell's magical force, he lashes out with a mighty right hook. A disembodied fist, pulsing with arcane energy, flashes through the air, leaving a trail of multicolored sparks of raw magic in its path. With a final vicious turn, the Flying Fist cracks... It's target painfully across the draw, delivering a strength to hit. So if you had armor at seven, it would be a five. If you had armor nine, it'd be a seven. Oh, okay. Is how that works. Sheesh. So you'd roll to see if you cast the spell. That's the distance of like a pass, right. basically. And if it did, this is what you would roll. So that just means that they fall down immediately. Any of these ones are successful. Yes. It, instead of making the block, yes. Okay. Wow. So crack. That one's pretty awesome. Yeah, I would think so. I can see why you would like it. If I remember correctly, this next one we didn't have to do. Rabbit. Cast after the opponent has thrown the ball but before the dice are rolled on the throwing table. As the ball arcs over the pitch, the player reaches out 
as if to catch the ball and mutters the triggered word. If he's eligible to intercept the ball, a pair of huge ghostly hands reach down from the sky and guide it firmly into his grasp. Much of the... Much to the consternation. Consternation. Boy, that's a word you don't see every day. Much to the consternation of the opposing thrower. Then, with a frightful clap of thunder, the hands shrink away to nothing and disappear. So basically, it's an automatic interception. Right. So when you knew somebody had this, you wouldn't go off. And before the match, you can ask people what spells yeah, they, they, they have. Yeah, they you, you knew, like, player one had this, yeah. and this guy had that. So. so it doesn't really come in handy. Not really. No pun intended. Well, I remember we even discussed at one point, you know, like, keeping these secrets. Some of these spells were mm-hmm. really coming. Seems like it worked better that way, unless you're trying to use... Because I guess you could block a zone to keep someone from passing. Because, like, if I throw over his head, he's just going to take it. Right. Next one, Mind Blow. Ranged. Cast after the player has moved, and instead of making a block. This spell blasts the brain of the target player with a formidable... Uh, mind power of the team supporting Sorcerer. A stream of pure magical energy leaps from the caster's hands and strikes his target squarely between the eyes. The target's eyes glaze over and he collapses in a heap. This poor gray matter completely overloaded. Never mind that some Blood Bowl players would be improved by a severe blow to the cortex. The unfortunate target is placed in the KO'd box of his team's dugout. A constellation of blue and gold stars swirling about his head. So it's Easy way to just knock somebody right off the pitch. That would be nice. Muscle boost. Cast just before the ball is thrown or kicked. The caster's uniform bursts as the muscles on his arms and legs instantaneously swell to heroic proportions, bulging to twice their normal size. With a mighty shout, he beats his chest and flexes his biceps. Even the largest players in the pitch stare with envy at the impressive muscular musculature. Musculature? That's a word? I guess so. Yeah, anatomy, musculature. Musculature. That's an animal. Singing that. Hmm. Showing you how stupid I am, folks. You used to have this book. I know, but I don't know. <laughs> I know. The caster's improved strength gives him the skills of long kick at level four and long throw for the turn. Both of those allowed you to kick longer distances and throw it even longer. Long throw was like a, you got to add three to the... To the range? Yeah, to the range. If I remember correctly. Well, we could look it up. So you can go past the range ruler? Would you have a range ruler back then? We did have a range ruler. That yeah. range ruler in third edition is the same one we had back then. You know. Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was a big plastic one for the boxes. Yeah, I got the yellow book real quick. Let me just look up. Was it called long throw, right? Yeah. The player may throw the ball up to 18 squares when counting the range. Dang. So that was a big deal. Right now, it can only be thrown 13 squares, right? The field was a little bit smaller back then, so you got to remember that. They didn't rescale the thing, but yes. Oh, I see what you're saying. A little bit. I mean... Okay, I gotcha. Anyways, long throw was a big deal. Yes, I remember putting that on your thrower or whoever. Mm -hmm. Now, did you throw that much back then? It was you did with elves. I mean, you think yeah. throwing now with elves is really easy. Back then, there was a throwing skill, and then there was a skill called cool, which means like you know how smooth you were at catching. And like throwers, like elf throwers, were plus two on their throwing skill, and then plus two to catch. So you added all that stuff together, then you rolled that chart. So it was plus four. Okay. Yeah. 
just depends what race you were. I mean, no, that would be worse. <laughs> I wouldn't think so. Okay. Uh, Quagmire. Cast after the player has moved instead of making a block. As the caster releases the spell, a ray of brown, green-brown light slowly arcs across the arena to the land between the target's feet. The ground below his boots suddenly softens and he sinks into the mud beneath. The target becomes unavoidably bogged down in oozing brown stuff and cannot move during his next turn. He doesn't have a tackle zone and may not block or tackle. So that's one way up. Almost like a pit trap. Yeah. In some ways. Both have the armor roll. Yeah, you don't have to stand up. Right. Basically just annoying. Pretty annoying. This one's good. Speed burst. Cast before the player moves. The caster suddenly gains panther-like grace and power with a spring and a bound. He accelerates off down the pitch accompanied by the sound like a roar of a wild beast and the wild wind rushing through the trees as he disappears behind a cloud of dust. Roll a d6 and add that number rolled to the caster's MA for the turn. That's just crazy. Now the average speed back then was 4. I mean, mm-hmm. a human blitzer was four. Human catcher was four. Where they made the difference between, like, catchers and blitzers and stuff was the sprint skill. Yeah. Which allowed you to do what we do to go for it's now. Catchers had plus four back then. Blitzers had, like, plus three. And Lightning had, like, plus two. So it was a little different. Yeah. But so it was a big six deal. Six would be huge. It's a big deal. And there's no way these failed. Except the ringed ones. Except the ringed ones. Yes. Uh, and the last one, before we uh, take a little break and go to some special spells, Unse- Unseen Shield. It's a ranged cast. Um, Unseen Shield, ranged, cast just after the opponent has thrown the ball, but before the dice are rolled on the throwing table. The caster nominates a square the ball travels through. On its way to the target, it rolls to see if it hits the right square, subtracting one from the dice roll. If the spell hits the right square or scatters to another square in the the ball will pass through, the spell takes effect. The flight path of the ball is quite narrow, never wider than two adjacent squares. The successful unseen shield knocks the ball out of the air to land D6 squares away from that point where it was hit. The ball must be placed in such a square as far away as possible from the casting player without going out of bounds. If there is a player in the square where the ball ends up, make a normal roll for the throwing table to see if the ball is caught, even if the potential receiver is an opponent. This could even lead to an interception at the point where the square in which the force shield was placed. So it's just like a little invisible wall. Again, if you knew somebody had this, read it here. Yeah. I... So while some of these were awesome... They, they seem awesome, they seem fun, but it seems like if you know the other guy has it, it just kills it. Yeah. Exactly. Hmm. We played with these for, we got this red book, this is back when we were doing a 16-week season with all 40 teams. I think we got this book, let's say about week 8 to 10. So okay. Was, and as soon as we got the book, we just adapted the rules to it. Right. So, we started using these. And you will see in the special skill descriptions how some of these are really crazy. Okay. But so what's your thoughts? Some suck, some of them are cool. They're very flavorful. 
Yeah. They're very situational. Yeah. Except, I mean, the attack ones aren't. It's always nice to attack people. Yeah. I mean, but they didn't work all the time, like you think. Because, you know, throwing back there. You didn't, you didn't add your throwing skill when we cast this. Battle. Sure. It was just a, just a range thing. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's, it makes the game seem more wild instead of, which, I mean, it was back then. It doesn't seem as much of a, a strategy chess type game. No. As much as just crazy crap going on all the time. Yeah, Blood Bowl used to just be like a chaos circus. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it really was. Yeah. It was just nutty stuff. But I mean, when you're in junior high, you love this stuff. Absolutely. And if you're you know, <laughs> if you're a grown man now who plays board games and other things, you're like, how did we play this? <laughs> Yeah, we'd have to make a list of every rule we have to keep track of if we play this. Yeah, we will. It'd be crazy. It could be fun. We will have to have a lot of time to figure that out. <laughs> All right, well, let's take a quick break. We'll, we'll come back to the Magic Part 2, the special skills. Spells. We're back, and it is time for the special spell descriptions. Again, you only got these if you rolled a 12 on the two original d6. spells. Right. So. You had to roll the 2d6 first on the chart mm-hmm. to even then roll a d6 to get one of these. Now, the very first one listed, we're not going to talk about because I want Steve to skip. Okay. So we're going to talk about the other ones first. It's in alphabetical order, but that's fine. So first up, we have Elemental Breeze. Cast after the opponent has thrown the ball, but before the dice are rolled on the throne table. A powerful gust of wind sweeps the length of the pitch and stops the ball in mid-flight. Then a warm summer breeze gently wafts it into the caster's waiting hands. The range of the spell is unlimited. Don't use the range ruler as the spell succeeds automatically. Crazy. It's just a straight-up interception. Yes. You make any pass anywhere, and I steal it. Yes. It's crazy. Yes. That's but why, again, some that's of these, why would you ever pass? Exactly. That's why in some ways, I just remember us having a big discussion about, you know, like house rumor, you know, let's keep them a secret, this or that. Yeah. And, I don't know. We're, we were all young, so we probably was worried that somebody else then would cheat. <laughs> like, I rolled <laughs> this. I'm sure they would. <laughs> See, next one, we have Gravel Storm. Oh, I love this one. Attack, strength, zero. Cast at the start of the caster's turn. The ground begins to shake and shudder, and a terrible rumbling emanates from deep beneath the earth. The stones on the playing field rise up as if caught in a momentary whirlwind, and then dart off to pelt the opposition, giving each of them a block as if from a strength zero player. Players can't be knocked over by this attack. They will either be injured in some way or come through unaffected. So you got to remember, second edition's big deal was Astro Grant. The field mm-hmm. was played on stones, not a grass field. Right. Obviously being a parody off of AstroTurf. Mm-hmm. And so the visual of this, you know, like all these little rocks rumbling and then raising up and yeah. shooting at the other guy. Oh, love this spell. That is cool. Love this spell. Now this one does say giving them each a block as if from a string zero player. Right, so you just make straight up armor roll. Oh, I see. Right. So there's no modified yeah. armor. It's just everybody rolls their armor. 
Strength either. isn't the way that we're thinking. It only added to armor. Which is really a weird way for them to have this, looking back, mm-hmm. because they had strength for each player. You know, that was one of your yeah. stats. The strength, agility. So it's very weird, but yes. Okay. Strength under the magic spells was a different strength than, you know, a player. That is weird. It's very awesome. I guess it's a strength. Trust me, reading this nowadays, it took me, like, I had to read it, like, twice, you know, (laughs) how it's worded. But, yeah, that's how it was. Okay. Next, we have Lightning Strike, Attack Strength 3, cast after the player has moved instead of making a block. Everyone's hair stands on end and stretches taut, and a feeling of tension grips players and fans alike. Suddenly, a bolt of lightning zigzags down from the sky and zaps the target with a new lethal dose of voltage. The target automatically fails his armor roll, i.e., he must roll on the injury table, adding three to the dice roll. So this is very similar to lightning bolt we have now. Right, I just mean, with the this chainsaw. This was automatically hidden. This is a chainsaw lightning bolt. This game was way different back then. Mighty Blow was not Avalon. It had levels, and you added all, whatever the level was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. It's very similar to And back then, if you got a 12, you were dead, right? That's correct. Was that only before modification? I believe that's So if you I, rolled I an 11 plus I think three, if you rolled an 11 plus your mighty blow back then, there was also Okay, so on this, if you rolled a 9 or above, you killed the guy. Yeah. Well, because there was an injury chart. Right. <laughs> you had to remember everything was charts. Sure. Well, next one is... Even worse, Meltdown, attack strength 4, cast after the player has moved and instead of making a block. This one's good. Smoke seeps from the cracks in the caster's armor. Tongues of fire lick along his teeth and sparks fly from his fingertips. Suddenly, he explodes in a raging ball of flame. Any player in an adjacent square takes a hit as if tackled by a strength 4 player. The caster automatically fails his armor roll, i.e. he just rolls on the injury table, adding plus four to the dice roll. All others go through a standard tackle resolution. Because of the spell's suicidal nature, the caster must roll a four or more on a d6 to use it. Failure means he's too scared and refuses, although he can try again later. Basically, suicide bomber. Yes. Just blow yourself up. Yes. Awesome stuff. I loved giving this to Dwarf and just like right in there. Ah, boom, 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 boom. How did Dwarf survive? I always gave it to the song. Yeah. See, next we have Old Faithful, cast at the start of the opponent's turn. A geyser erupts from the center of the pitch, showering the field with gallons of water. The gushing column of water ceases only when the pitch is completely flooded. The opposition's movement is cut in half, ground fractions down. They may not sprint, and the ball can't be thrown or kicked. At the end of the turn, the water magically drains away. So, you think dwarves are slow now? Back in second edition, they only moved three. Yeah. Rounded down, that's one. God dang. This was crushing to my dwarves when yeah. a few times it was played against me. And you can't pass or do anything. Can't do anything. <laughs> Or the other team runs away from you, and you can't do anything. So, these are all pretty crazy, powerful things. And then we have 
Read what would be if you rolled 12, and then you rolled a 1 on the special skill description. Deathbringer. May be cast at any time. The spirit of death appears in a darkened sky, wielding his gleaming scythe. He points a bony finger at a randomly chosen opposing player and then drains the life from his defenseless body. Everything goes quiet, as the players and crowd are reminded of their own mortality. Pretty quickly, however, they remember that killing is what they're here for anyway, and the game starts up even more violently than before in memory of the de departed player. Substitutions may be made as usual. So a guy just rises out of nowhere, kills somebody, moves on. That's pretty awesome. Uh, automatic death. We nearly got into some fights. I mean, it was funny when mm -hmm. it was just like a lineman, but when there's somebody's <laughs> cool player, right? we were like, you can't do that. That's just how it works. Yeah, exactly. Uh, There's a pretty interesting NAF fact, which is basically a did you know. It says, some great spells of the past have disappeared from use, normally after the wizard was strung up by the opposition. A few of these are listed below. And I'm sure these are just fluff, not actual ones. But they might have been ones that they're experimenting with. Turnover. A spell that possibly never existed. Magic coordinator Javel Arendil of the Southstorm Squids claimed to have invented a spell that altered the memory of those present at a game, making them think the result was the reverse of what it actually was. This came out just after the 2465 Blood Bowl, and the NAF reversed the results. This meant that the squids had beaten the marauders. Javel later claimed to have invented a spell that only made everyone believe their memories had been reversed. Confused, the NEF turned the result back again, so that the marauders were made Blood Bowl V winners. To this day, the results have been changed six times. So, uh, next one was Mushroom, a butte from the vaults of the Orkland Raiders. This caused hundreds of small mushrooms to grow in the opposition's half, which exploded on contact, releasing a poisonous spore that KO'd immediately. Sadly, it is not known to work on astrogranite. And finally, PALS. Invented by a mixed-race team in the Barfleas Albion League, this spell overcame any racial tensions. It must have been too potent, for there were recorded instances of zero-zero draws, Abandoned while the team picked wildflowers for each other. You know what I just got out of that? What? The Barclays Albion League. Mm -hmm. Isn't there a Barclays Soccer League? Yeah. Cool. I didn't know that was a parody of something that really existed. Either. It probably poofed us. I don't know. There's something. There's something there we don't. We're not getting. Sure. Since they're all hippies and getting flowers for each other. Hmm. Anyways, pretty cool stuff. This is how spells were. Again, we love getting the special ones. Honestly, my favorite was the Gravel Storm or the Meltdown. But the Deathbringer, I mean, we got the Deathbringer. Yeah. We were happy. <laughs> You're like, someone's going to die. Didn't, you didn't wait. You'd, unless somebody was like, there was times where, like, back then we would have the guy only come out for offense or defense. It wasn't. Obviously, like the game, we right? Now. And you can make substitutions in the middle of the game because it's more revenue style. So 
and like Gary was holding back like a high agility guy on the sidelines. We would mm-hmm. wait, you know, <laughs> they would wait too. So, oh, magically he's on the pitch. I guess death has come. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Or, but that led to a lot of like, who has your death bringer spell? And then you try to hunt that guy mm-hmm. down and knock him off the pitch. So you try to cast it. You try to hold on to it as long as you could before casting it. But yeah, second edition was. Do you think? Somebody fouling every half now or every play. Right. Now is bad. It's it was bad back then. So that's second edition. If we look at third edition just real quick, uh, then you were able to get a wizard for 50k. They actually had to start buying things now. But this is where you had it permanently on your roster, right? Now, said this, I'm going off of the Blood Bowl handbook whenever that came out. This was third edition, right? It says, until recently, Wizards could be hired as a permanent member of a team's coaching staff. However, the College of Magic, Colleges of Magic soon became worried by this dreadful drain on their resources, and now coaches may only hire a wizard for a single match at a cost of 50 gold pieces, or 50,000 gold pieces. If you are playing with league rules, Wizards are hired at the same time as Freebooters and will only play for one game. You may only hire one wizard per match. So, no, it's just like now, it's just... Only it's cheaper. 50 instead of 150. Is this back when they had the uh, Toad spell, too? Yep. So you, you used to have three choices, right? Fireball, Lightning Bolt, and Toad spell. Right. And they were a little bit different. Uh, Zap would just turn someone into a Toad. 3 1 4 4. Dodge, Leap, and Stunty. And if I remember correctly, you actually had that one point put, put your model on the sidelines and have a little range. For the wizard, you did. I don't think you had to do that for the. For the Zap? No, Zap could just be anywhere. Okay. The but wizard, the- you, I mean, for the lightning bolt, you actually had to place your wizard on the sideline, and it took up two squares, and it went out five squares from the side. Right, so you had to actually, like, lure somebody. And then it would hit the first one that he rolls and hits. But I was going to say, that's all pretty much the same, not too different. However, dwarves could not get wizards. Dwarves would get a Dwarf Alchemist for 30k. And they, essentially, at the end of the game, just gave you gold pieces equal to one roll of the dice times 10k. Okay. Like, this made Dwarves get more money. And then, also, Halflings could not get Wizards. They got the Master Chef, who was a wizard in the kitchen. Uh, He was only 50k. And then their... I actually kind of like this better. You would roll a d6 and cut it in half. That's how many rerolls you took or got. Hmm. So there was, you would never not get any. It was, was it a, rounded down or rounded up? Um, one equals zero, so it's rounded down. So there's only one out of six chance. You're oh, I guess that. there is, yeah. Huh. But still, that's different. Huh, so if there's one out of six chance. The most you actually take worse. is three. Because now you have a, what, one out of Dude, 36 gonna, chance? Yeah, I can get me to do whatever for that. Because it's six, six, oh, And then necromancers also could not take a wizard. They had a necromancer, which only had the one spell of raise the dead. So it was kind of neat. Hmm. That's pretty much it. Can you imagine, like, elf teams and stuff getting a wizard for 50k? That would suck. <laughs> But it'd be nice if dwarf teams could not get a wizard. Oh, yeah. Such a problem. Oh. 
Look, nobody likes playing dwarves, but when's the last time they won a major tournament? I don't know. Okay, so then let's let's drop it. We can always hate dwarves. It's allowed. No, it's not. Yeah. We can hate everything. Okay. Let's hate everything. I do. America with President Trump. That's not your <laughs> Ugh. Make Albion great again. <laughs> All right, we are going to take a short break, and we are going to come back with some born again star players. And we're back with some star players that we've recreated for the current edition of Blood Bowl. What do they call this? Blood Bowl 16. Blood Bowl 16. Yeah. Let's call it BB sixteen. BB sixteen. Yeah, it's the uh, father of BB eight. Father of BB eight. Huh. Yeah. BB sixteen. Oh, that's a Star Wars reference. Yeah. Do you know who Triple Zero is? The protocol droid who's a killer. How do you know that? I know stuff. How do you know that? I I literally know stuff. I've heard about him. Oh. Okay. He's supposed to be really cool. In the Dark Vader comic or something? Yeah. Okay, he's in the Star Wars comics. Yeah. I think it's a female. Is it? I don't work on a tangent <laughs> here. But I was just... The first time it sounded like a female, uh, I was reading some Star Wars comics today, and I was like, but the whole time it was just evil C-3PO. That sounded like they were giving it a female personality. Well, C-3PO is kind of effeminate. Well, maybe that's what they were trying to go for. Yeah. It felt more... Too effeminate? Yeah. Anyways. Okay. Gender fluidity in the Star Wars universe. Ah, yes. Well, the have no gender. They probably don't. Well, why not? Unless they have A sockets and B sockets. Ooh. Input and output, you know what I'm saying? Ones and zeros? Oh. They're kind of little binary. Dang it, I was going to do that, but I was going to put emphasis on the bi part. I kind of did. Binary. Binary, okay. Well, this is a podcast not about gender-fluid droids. Okay. If you say so. (laughs) Isn't that the right term? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That's why I used it. So we have recreated some star players back from the second edition where there was tons of star players. But there is now, really. Yeah, there's a ton more now than ever has been. That's... As kids that grew up on second edition miss sometimes the old star players because there was individual models like or us collectors who have all the models. Right. So we are looking at two players that have models. As I say, we you, we could have picked from anything. We both picked from the old star player book that came out at the same time as the companion. Is no, the I, I picked from the companion. Oh, yeah, you, you picked did. from the star player yeah, book. That's right. We both decided to it. pick a player, mm-hmm. but ironically enough, I didn't think about it. We both picked characters that had models. Yeah. So, you want me to go first? I picked Gaumann Goreblade. Sure. And if I get him out here, he was a... Blitzer human. He was a Chaos human. Now, you got to remember, in second edition... Well, his have, race is human. The, but his alignment was Chaos. Yeah, absolutely. And it was actually Chaos humans. Mm-hmm. There wasn't Chaos warriors. There was just evil humans. Yeah. And they had mutations and stuff, which like, everybody wants, like... I want some knights or what are the, the Bretonians, Bretonians and all this crap. It's like, no, I want Chaos Humans. You kind of have that with uh, Chaos Marauders. That's what basically that is. Yeah. But I want a full team. But I guess you can 
finagle the Chaos Pack team, or the, whatever they're called, the Chaos Renegades team. Yes. To be really whatever you want. Yeah. So I'm okay. Anyways, he was a Chaos Human, a Blitzer. Back then, he had a normal speed, which was a four movement for a, a Human Blitzer. Three sprinting, or go for it, as we like to call it. Strength four was normal for a Human Blitzer back then. He did have an AG plus one. Back then it was three. It was the average mm-hmm. for a Blitzer. So he had an Ash plus one and a normal armor. Uh, his skills back then was uh, Leap three, uh, Mighty Blow two, and uh, Toughness, which prevented you from getting killed really easy. Right. I took a different approach. I I think Chaos is lacking... Like, the regular Chaos team is lacking, like, I really want a star player that's a Pestivore. You know, that can play for the Nurgle team or Chaos. Okay. So, if they're listening, which I know they listen to us, and they're like, that's a great idea, Scott. Well, they did until James left. Right. <laughs> well, that's true. Uh, so, they don't listen to us anymore. But if anybody <laughs> could talk to them, that's what, if you're going to make up some new star players, a Pestivore would be really cool. Yeah, Definitely. Of some sorts. Beastman Festival. Anyways, this guy, I'm trying to fill that role of he can play for a Chaos team, he could play for a Nurgle team, or he could play for Chaos Facts. Okay. So I want him to be a Chaos Warrior. So 5, 4, he's going to have the AG plus 1, so he's going to have 4 agility, 9. And then the only skills he has is Loner and Leap. So he's the rare Cage Breaker. Okay. For a chaos team. Which I know is not many skills, but I kind of, I didn't want to give him like Thick Skull, Leap, and Mighty Blow, which was the obvious choices I thought by looking at him. Besides, I thought you might do that because that's easy. (laughs) Um, So I was trying to go for a different approach than that. But what did you price him at? I priced him at 150. Okay. Which here's the issue. Which is pro- most, which is probably too low. It probably should be at least 160 because most people are going to take him just to run the ball. Should probably be probably over 200 at least. Why is that? He breaks the game. How does he break the game? He is a four strength, four AG player that doesn't have um, a mega trait. Mega trait. When. When you look at all the how to make star players and stuff, and mm-hmm. you talk to Tom and everything, the one rule was you never had someone with more than three agility and more than three strength. That was the one thing. They allowed vampires to have that, but only because they had the always hungry, not always hungry, the bloodlust. Hmm. So that's an issue. Okay. Well, my player is broken. Okay. I'm just saying. Yeah. I did. I actually. I think it's interesting. I created two of these. I had one that was specifically made for Chaos Pact. Yeah. So I'll go over that one. He was a a six three four nine, and then of course he had the uh, boring leap, mighty blow, and I wanted to give him something else so he could jump into the cage. Same type of purpose. Mm -hmm. And I had tackle. But again, for that version of him. Most people, if you induce them, you're going to probably have more them all. That's the kind of the bad thing is I wanted the four agility because the original character had it. Yeah. And I wanted to keep the leap. And I was thinking break a cage, leap in, jump, break a cage. But really, 
I think I have to either find these two. I might have to figure them all. I guess I didn't realize he had four agility. Okay. So when I created him, I did six, four, three, eight, loner, block, leap, mighty blow, thick skull. Okay. So like 210 or something. Okay. But basically, he's the one who he can get in there and break everything up, and he has the additional strength to get a one-up if you go into the corner or something, hopefully. But his agility is not that great, so it makes it harder to do. And being a loner, well, good luck with re-rolling the ball. Sure, I get that. Um, Thick Skull will keep him on the field a little bit longer. Looking at his original skills, I don't know. Mighty Blow and Toughness. He wasn't that great. Yeah. I mean, he was okay. He wasn't like a power player. Uh, The way he is shaped with the the full helm that's just smooth, I was thinking he was a bullet, so he was a like a cannonball just going in and hitting someone. Hmm. So you almost give him the horn skill, but you had to kind of rewrite the fluff that he doesn't have horns. He has like a magical horn. Or yeah, something like that. that would be cool. I'd be fine with that. Yes. Um, so. So yeah, if you took your guy this is, and took down the the strength by one and gave him horns, and kept the four agility. Or it took away the four agility game very long legs. Hmm. That's probably the better approach, actually. So that way he can leap, get in there easier, and if he's blitzing, he can take him down. Okay, I like that, Steve. So I'm going to go five. I'm going to still make him a Chaos Warrior. Yeah. I'm play for Nurgle, Chaos Pack, and Chaos. He's going to be five, four, three, nine. He's going to have leap, very long legs, and longer. Okay. I like it. I really wanted him to come under 200. Yeah. I wanted him to be a little bit more than um, Ludwig Whiparm, but not too much more. Okay. Because to me, Chaos Pack, it's like, or I mean, when you have Chaos and you have inducement money, it's like, what do you buy? All their, so besides Ludgrip, I mean. Ludgrip's a really good addition. No, he, he's good. Yeah. I'd like to try to buy all the guys at some point. The other guys are so expensive. Yeah. Borak yeah. and. Orhex is Grashnak are very expensive. Grashnak's amazing. Grashnak is amazing. But Orhex is worthless. So, in case you're wondering, like, what model is this? It's a it's a second edition Chaos Human. It's the one with the dome mm. helmet, so you can't see his face or anything. It's a really awesome looking model. Yeah, it is. Um, Joe Roberts was talking about this recently. He came down for the last one. He said, that's my favorite second edition model. Cool. Well, I actually went with my favorite second edition model, Turin Red Venom. Oh, this guy's cool. He's the old star uh, dark elf. If you've ever seen him with the like, skull mask. Yep. I remember getting him in a pack of figures back when the star players came like mm-hmm. five, three, or I think it was four random ones. In a, not really random, but Four, did, four in a pack. Four different ones in yeah, a pack. You yeah. Didn't, you didn't buy them separately on a separate website back then, 1990, mm-hmm. for $30. You got <laughs> like four of them for an expensive, like, it's like $8. Ooh, so expensive. I, I remember I think how much those things were back in the day. If I only could go back in time, I would waste it buying old blood old stuff. And you know, GW employees could buy that by the weight, you know. Really? Yeah, that's why I was talking to someone at Chaos Cup. He used to run a GW store uh-huh. back in the day. And 
when you buy stuff because they wanted to encourage people who ran the stores to play the games. Sure, because then that way you product could, knowledge. Yeah, so you could buy anything from the store at essentially the cost of the material, which and, was the weight of the metal, which is super duper cheap. Wow. Yeah, so you could buy a ton of stuff. Wow. Yeah. But back then, I would have thought that was expensive. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so Turin Red Venom, he was number 13 for the Dark Renegades. He was a lineman. He was, do you know how old he was? No, I don't. 115. Do you know how much, high he, how tall he was? Yeah, because nobody was really tall back then. So I'm going to say, but elves were taller. So I'm going to say he was uh, 5'10". I'm guessing they went with the plume on his head. They have him at 6'5". Okay. And he weighed 140 pounds. Yeah, so these are real thin. I, yeah. I hate those old ones. <laughs> and the sad thing is, it didn't change them for the new ones. I know they just did. like. Well, I hated it in junior high. I was yeah. reading these things, and I was like, I weigh more than a. I weigh more than Turn Red Venom. Are you kidding me? I'm bigger than Griff. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yes. They didn't know what they were doing. <laughs> so he could play for Dark Elf or Chaos. And his stats were... Ooh, you let him play for Chaos. No, that was what he used to play for. Oh, that's right. They had those on the cards. You're right. Okay, well, sorry. He was a Dark Elf, and his alignment was Chaos. Right. So he didn't actually play for both, probably. Uh, His movement was four. His sprint was three. Strength, three. That was a little higher for, if I remember right, for alignment. It's the same for alignment. Is it? Mm -hmm. Dark Elf? Yeah, he's the straight... Lineman stats. stats. Okay. Uh, strength three, agility three. What's TS? TS is throwing skill. Throwing skill plus one, and cool plus one. Which was how you thought. And AV eight. Um, skills: dirty tackle level two, which meant you added two to the armor after tackling. Think of it as mighty blow. Mighty blows when you block somebody. Back in second edition, you had blocks. And you had tackling. So this was for like basically my blow for tackling. Because you used separate stats. And what was the difference? In blocking, you compared strengths. Okay. In tackling, you compared agilities. But they happened at the same time? So you chose which one to do? (laughs) Tackling only occurred when you were tackling the guy with the ball. Oh, okay. So makes sense. If you had a guy like a halfling catcher that had five agility, and you had a dwarf blocker with two, you would minus three and roll on the D6, the 2D6 tackle charts. Okay. Which most of the time meant you got yourself hurt. Jeez. Says if you rolled a, a four, yeah. you got yourself hurt trying to tackle the halfling. Oh, man. Again, if we were playing correctly, which I th- right. think we were. But Probably. it was awful. Especially when you had a halfling that gets... A G plus two. And dodge. Then he walks right past you and you think, I could try to tackle him, but it's going to be minus five or whatever. And if I don't roll double sixes, I'm definitely hurt. Jeez. It was awful. Okay. Uh, He also had distract, which was subtract two instead of one when in a tackle zone for throwing and catching. And then he had tackle level two. Add one to tackle unless other player exceeds level. So, back then, tackle and dodge had levels. So, if I would have had dodge three, your tackle two would not work. Okay. But if I had dodge one, 
you would get the plus one and negate my dodge deal. Okay. It's very convoluted, but I, I got it. Right. So if I had a guy with agility four dodge, and you had a guy with agility four, it'd be minus one to your tackle roll because I had dodge. Okay. Hmm. And if you had tackle, if I dodge one and you had tackle two, and our agilities were straight even, yeah, you would have the advantage. Higher level, you get plus one. Okay. It was very complicated. Yeah, I like it now much better. Yes. So I decided to redo him, and he would be six, three, four, eight. So basically, regular lineman with loner, lock, dodge. Diving tackle, pass block, shadowing, and tackle. Gee, my Christmas, how much is this dude? Like 180. Dude, uh, uh, elves, star players, are super cheap. Okay. Every other one is about 180 or 200. So okay. maybe 190, 200, I don't know. So go over skills again for me? So essentially, he's got loner, block, and dodge. Okay. Which I'm okay getting rid of. Probably the block, okay. because, uh, anyways, I'll tell you in a second. Diving tackle, sure. pass block, shadowing, and tackle. Okay. In the old rules, where he gave pluses to tackling, and he got in the way and distracted people, and he tackled better, it seems like he's there to be annoying. Sure. So that's kind of what I wanted. wanted him to be able to get around... And just tie up someone and be real annoying. Okay. So that was it. We are very similar in our thoughts. Okay. Uh, I created him to be a dark elf lineman, obviously, just like the lineman stats are mm-hmm. six, three, four, eight. Um, I did not go with as many skills as you. Of course, he has loner. Thinking that, you know, dirty tackle. When you try to translate, you think, oh, I can give a dirty player. But then I was like, no, you know, star players at foul seem stupid. Yeah, very much so. Um, so I gave him shadowing, so he'd always be in the way and be annoying, just like you. Right. I gave him diving tackle, so if you attempt to dodge away from him, he can decide to let you try it or right. follow up. And then I gave him sidestep. He does not have dodge Side or Sidestep's a good one, yeah. Um, I didn't want to give him dodge or block because the combo of shadowing, diving, tackle, sidesteps, yeah, pretty difficult either way. Yeah, I like that. So I had him coming in around 140 to 150. Yeah. Again, I was trying to, I was aiming to try to be less than 160 for elves, give a dark elf a cheaper dark elf for dark elves to get. Mm-hmm. So this is the approach I took. Now, I didn't give him as many skills as you. But right. We had the same line of thinking of, like, oh, this would be a good time. Is this to be really annoying. I mean, distract, I was first thinking, like, disturbing presence, just given a weird See, I was thinking that, too. Skill, and but I was like, no, it's he's too a dark powerful. elf. He needs to be shadowing, because that's what this is all about, is mm-hmm. being sneaky and stuff. So. And I thought the dodge would allow him to get into positioning better, especially with, like, a pass block, you know. I, I do like pass block. The pass block was my way of trying to do the distract. So if you did declare a pass, then I can try to get in the way and sure. mess up somebody. I get that. I don't think either version is wrong. No. I think block and dodge is probably too much. For I think so too. But we want. I think when you make up star players, you tend to want to make them 
very useful instead of like Lord Morak the Destroyer. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to throw a foul. My 390k self. I want to so bad to make a fluffy team with him on it. Because you would have to, because that's the only Chaos Warrior you really can afford. Spicy Cup. You get a free reroll. A free bribe. It's not the bribe part. He costs so much. He's the equivalent of three Chaos Warriors. And then just play him like he's meant. If I can't hit anybody, and I can't Blitz anybody that's meaningful because I'll the crap out of somebody, but I can't do it. No, not with your luck. I can't do it. Uh, it just seems like a big waste of just saying, like, I'd like to have four rounds of crap. Yeah, sounds like it. These are not bad. I would like to see him come back. Just, I like the models. I'm dumb. If GW is listening, as much as I think I have all the models, I really think they should do a print-to-order of those old models. Which ones? All the second edition store models. Oh, yeah. I mean... If put, they have them. Put them in little groups of... Well, that's the thing. It's maybe they don't. But put them in little bundles of four, just like they came in those old blisters. Yeah, but what's the point if they don't have any rules for them? It's just option models. I think, I think a lot of people just like having extra models like... If they had the human with the, his helmet off, the old grip, that everybody yeah. says is sure handed to Gregor Meeson, I mean, somebody might use him. I don't know. Everything else is selling. That's true. I don't think these wouldn't. No. Because there's a lot of guys who are close to our age that says, like, I remember when, and I didn't buy them. Mm-hmm. I would definitely buy them if they were released. They're not usually that, hard, that, that expensive to buy. That, that one that's labeled... Sure-handed Gregor Mason. Well, the very first grip is really hard to find. Or maybe he's not expensive, but he's hard to find. That I believe, yeah. So, because if anybody out there has one, I sure would like it. You want to tell them which one it is? It's the one where the human is... Second edition human. With the helmet in his hand, and he's like doing a bicep pose. Yeah. Not the one, not the unruly Zug where he's holding up in the air. No. It's under his arm. It's the one that's on the very back of the Star Player's book. And he's painted with a number one, so he's Griff Overwald. Not sure handed Gregor Mason. Although he is painted like sure handed Gregor Mason, if you look at the Star Player card inside the Star Player book. Well, let's give a look real quick. With the plumes and stuff. But still by Griff. Not really the plumes, but the big flight, you know, the. Sure handed Gregor Mason is number four. Well, yeah, the numbers are definitely wrong. Griff is number one. Yep, that's why that's a that's why we always thought it was the Griff model. Yeah, those the pictures are different. So ugly. Yeah. Those second ed humans, just wow. I liked them all back in the day. I don't know if I. Liked no, I like the metal. I just the actual drawing is. Oh yeah, yeah. Those trolls are weird looking. What do you mean they're weird looking? Oh, you're the back cover. The back of the Star Player book. Yeah. They've no sub for. Well, I think they're all modded. Could be something. Or some of those are mods from other things. Visual things that people in the podcast can't see. <laughs> Steve is looking at, as we ran on this tangent, the, the middle picture of the Star Fire book. So if you have that, you can go look. He's looking at the trolls of the Death Wish. Yeah. The little goblins are funny looking too. Mm, I think those are actually snot. Yeah. Okay. 
Anywho. Anyways, whatever. So that wraps up our restoration of a second edition star player, and we will be back with some shout-outs. It's the last part of the podcast. It's almost time to go home. Turn this whole thing off. Turn the car around and go home. But what we got to do before then? Shout outs! Is that what you're talking about? Uh, I, I guess so, yeah. Turn the car around. I don't know. What is that from? Someone's listening. They're probably in a car. Oh, that's right, because we are broadcasting live right now wherever you're at. You could be in bed. You could be working out. You should be working out. You should be. I should be working out. I've been really slacking. Oh, I've been awful. This is the fattest yeah. I've been in a year. And I'm not even going to tell you how much I weigh. But it's fatter than I was a month ago. You're fatter than you've ever been, and still you're getting fatter. Still, still you're, you're getting, getting fatter. fatter. <laughs> it's the Weird Al and uh, They Might Be Giants matchup. <laughs> in Branson, next to the Ferris wheel, there's this thing called Andy's Yogurt, which we have one. Or Andy's Custard. Okay. We have one up in Oklahoma City. Okay. Up on Memphis Expressway. That I, now I've tried in Branson, and it wouldn't take much to get me to go up there and eat some custard. They, they had some good stuff. We had to eat there every night. No, on you vacation. had to. On vacation. It's yeah. for the girls. Sure it was. Dude. You couldn't try anything new. I didn't try anything new. I had the one dessert, and I got it again every <laughs> night because it was delicious. It's the way to go. <clears throat> oh, it was amazing. Uh, the only thing I changed was I got extra almonds the next day. Okay. Because I love almonds. Almonds are good for you. Love nuts. Yeah, everything else in that cup was not good for me. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a couple strawberries. Ooh, fancy laugh. <laughs> it was. It was called the Titanic. Which made that, me mad because I didn't want to order it because of the name, but it was delicious. Okay. I'm weird like that. Makes sense, I guess. <laughs> so, who do we got to shout out? Or can I go first? Sure. Go ahead. I would like to shout out to Luke Schumacher, who writes for the More Monthly. He recently did an interview with me and Steve, came over to the studio, and, um, and we had a, what, nearly an hour and a half? Well, well, yeah, something like that. A little interview, and it's going to be published in the More Monthly here in August, is what we were told. August 1st, more Oklahoma, so I'll probably get a picture of it and put it online. It's just so, kind of neat. Yeah, it's pretty awesome, actually. It's I didn't know it was that big of a deal until I was like mentioning it to people, and they were like, really? You know, and all this stuff. So Yeah, I mean, for a local paper, Moore's getting pretty big. I don't, what, 100,000 people now, maybe? I'm assuming more than that. So I don't know. But a ton of people. And our local little rag is actually pretty good. So it'll be nice to be in there. Yeah, that'd be awesome. We'll be celebrities. We'll be giving so much tang. I'm going to be the guy reading about myself at the restaurant. <laughs> I'm just thinking about all that tang. I used to love orange tang yeah. when I was a kid. Yeah. So good. No, it's not anymore. It's probably not. It was probably I don't even know if it was good it. then. It's just different than water. Yes. So we were happy to drink yeah, it. Yeah, anything that wasn't water, I was good with. I know. Do they still sell tang? I don't know. Was there any other flavor besides orange tang? I'm sure there had to be. Okay. But 
I'm sure they all failed miserably. Well, Luke, if you're listening, thanks for coming by. We had enjoyed talking with him. He also uh, is still going to school down at OU. Mm-hmm. He mentioned that for the first time ever, they're having a female drum major. And if anybody knows who that is, that's uh, that's the person who leads the band at the OU football games and walks down the field in this crazy pose where like they're bent over, and it's my favorite part of OU football. It's just so sad. Just so sad. It's amazing. They walk backward, like, upside down. It's like they're doing the limbo. Yes. For, like, the whole field. It's amazing. I used to scream the whole time they did that. I'm not, I'm not joking. Uh, further insight into Scott's life, what was the most exciting part of your trip to Branson that you brought back with you? Um, oh. <laughs> your My drinking bird. Yeah. Yes. If you will look up on Google, I think all you have to look up is drinking bird, or you could look up how does the drinking bird work? It is this little bird that's just like this glass vial that has some type of liquid in it, like a methane or methanol type no liquid. I know I, I could go get it real quick and tell you, but I'm not going to. You can look it up. I'm but fine. it's this red liquid, and there's like one feather on his butt, and he has a top hat and these big feet. And you place him, you dip his head in water, and then you just let him drink. He'll through chemical miracles, who will continue to drink water without any batteries or anything all day long. Scott was so thrilled he got that. When I was a young child, for whatever reason, I'm sure somebody bought it for me at first just to entertain me back in the 70s. Your dad probably bought it at the same shop you went to and found <laughs> that one. And I used to take them, and I used to want to play with them, and I would break them all the time and get in trouble. I mean, I'm, I bet you... No lie, I went through at least 10 of those in my young career. (laughs) And I saw one in Branson at this store called Dick's Five and Dime, which I remember my grandmother taking me there. And it was $7, and I I bought it right away. I couldn't resist. And it was the best purchase I made on my whole trip. It made the whole trip to Branson worth it. Besides, not the bonding with the children. No, I mean, like, the drinking (laughs) Steve, he is always thirsty, he loves to drink. I even posted this on my Facebook. So So is this where you get your drinking problem from? <laughs> yeah, my drinking problem. <laughs> Look at him. Look at Scott. He loves sweet tea. He just keeps drinking it. He's getting You're fat. not wrong. I know. <laughs> I know. Um So I'll shout out to Dick's Five and Dime in Branson for there having a drinking bird. And I wanted to buy that that fake poop there too. Like a styrofoam yeah. piece of fake poop that I really Really wanted to buy and drop in my girlfriend's toilet. Look at one of the kids did this. I, I had a whole thing planned out. I was like, I'm gonna make some toilet paper and like put it on top so it's wet. Mm-hmm. It looks like the turds like hidden in there. Just freaked her out. Yep. Don't, don't worry, I already told you this. So, Everybody should go watch Top Secret <laughs> just with the fake doggy poop. I've never seen that. Well, they had fake dog poop there too. They yep. had all this magic items and stuff. Trying to talk my children and give them things. Not fake talk poo. Okay. You say so. <laughs> no, I did try to talk to me to buy the fake cat poo. At mom's place, that would be funny. <laughs> I had said Granny's house since mm-hmm. I have a cat. <laughs> Mom would freak. Yeah, that's true. Anywho, 
Uh, shout out to Mark Perry who sent us some questions that we'll probably get to next time. Probably so. better because we could cover them thoroughly. Yeah. Um, he had some things come up at a tournament, and he just asked our opinions. And yeah. Honestly, we thought, why not share? And he said, go ahead and share, because it was kind of like a first for him in a tournament. And mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get to it next episode. Yeah, so next episode, teaser, more tournament discussion. But, well, not only <laughs> it's about that. rules and stuff. Yeah, I could teach you everything. I already know what the segments are going to be. Really? Yeah, they're right here on this piece of paper. What if we change them? That's why I'm not going to announce them. Okay. Are you going to announce them? I don't care. Nobody. It'd be the first time we ever announced. Well. Okay. Then I'm going to do it. Ready? Sure. This is what you're going to look forward to next episode. We're going to talk about second edition weather. You think it's probably the same, but it's not. So you're going to find out. Then we're going to talk about some tournament talk. Because we are going to travel to Emerald City Cup. And we're going to talk about Steve's adventures at Slaughterdot the GT. Then we also, in our last segment, we're going to talk about a did-you-know little gem I found that might have a like a, a hint of why the 24 is such a big deal. Ooh. Boom. Boom. Blow Boom. your mind. Blow your mind. Things are changing in episode 71. That'd be 72. Well, what do you mean this one? This one, because we oh, told okay. people what we're going to do. Now we have to stick to it. Well. <laughs> I mean, we've... Who's, We've broken many, many a promise. <laughs> it's like, who listens to this? There are plenty of times you're like, oh, well, this is going to happen. Oh, that fell through. Never mind. This is going to be happening. No, that's, that fell through too. No, seriously, this time, this is going to also fall through. I would like to ask everybody, if you don't mind, get over to iTunes, rate us, give us a review. It would be nice. Yeah. I never get on iTunes. I don't use iTunes. Okay. Well, don't be I've already put a review on there, obviously, okay. because I have to review my own stuff. <laughs> I I know that's a three dot blog thing, probably like a hundred times. Oh, I'm sure. Everybody does. Oh, did I tell you about the beta one? I don't think so. So the last time I was on the three dot blog, oh podcast, that one. Oh. We said that Chance listens to the podcast and he would contact me within two weeks. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I forgot all about it. And then Jennifer texted me like. 12 hours before the deadline was up. And she said, has Chance contacted you yet? And I was like, oh, I forgot all about that. She's like, well, tomorrow morning you can tell Drew he owes you some sushi. And sure enough, Chance has still not contacted me. <laughs> it's been well over a month. I want some sushi. Thank you, Chance Kirchhoff. So that Your will number be... number one Blood Bowl podcast. That will be two bets in a row that Drew has lost to Gingers. Yeah, he's pretty... He's got a terrible record against his own talent. He likes to buy his food. <laughs> Maybe that's really it. I guess He's I gotta get a lot of sushi up. since I gotta buy yours too. Well, he is packing us up. Mm-hmm. So we don't date anybody else. That's true. Creepy. Thank you, folks, for listening. And we'll be back next month or this month or whenever it is. We're gonna try this month, but we're not gonna promise nothing. We got a lot of death path to draw. Yeah. We might be going to the first of the month from now on. But, Death Path, we're not I sure. You should hear me next. I should be on the next Alertcast. They asked me today. Cool. So I might be recording the next Alertcast. That's going to come out around the same time as the Kickstarter. So, whatever that is. Sounds good. I might be the artist, but I don't know all the dates. So. No, you just do what you're told. 
like you're, any good artist. You can go to Death Path uh, on Facebook and follow there, or deathpath.com and follow there. Or Twitter. Or Twitter. It's, it's everywhere. Yep. So, thanks, guys. Talk to you later. You can follow Both Down on Twitter at Both Down. You can follow Scott at Fat Finley, F-A-T-F-I-N-L-E-Y, and Steve at Kilowog2814. If you want to know if your team name is Both Down Approved, send a tweet to at BD Approved. If you'd like to email them, the email address is bothdownpodcasts at gmail.com. Or for more information, you can visit them at bothdown.com or at facebook.com forward slash bothdown. I just want to apologize so, to you so again, sorry, tell you so how I'm sorry I'm I am about sorry. the mistake. And this if there's anything at all I can do for you, please don't hesitate to ask. Come along, Howard. Time for your lobotomy. I'm not sorry I took the money.